Medford. I want to kiss you on the mouth. And a pleasant good evening to you wherever you may be, however you may be listening. Thank you for tuning in. This is Shukri Wright signing on for the first time in 2022 on the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford, Tufts Freeform Radio, streaming nationwide, as always, on the TuneIn Radio app, globally on WMFO.org. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening, thank you for making this program part of your Monday evening, January 10th, 2022. I am fired up to be back for a litany of reasons. And all of those reasons you're here as we go through the course of the show, can't give it all away because where's the fun in that? You got to you know, create a tease somehow, some way. But nonetheless... First program of 2022, this was not planned whatsoever. When I was last on the air on December 20th, I'd mentioned at the end of the show, I'll talk to you again next week, final show 2021. Well, that never happened. Because the one and only Shukri Wrights got sick with COVID. And after two years of ducking and weaving and bopping, it finally said, hey, here's a nice uppercut to your chin. Wham! It got me. So yours truly was quarantining for 10 days. And needless to say, those 10 days were, it was long, but it helped to have loving people in my life help me get through that period. And now here I am on January 10th. 2022, 10 days into the new year, finally back where I belong in this seat doing this radio program. Phone lines are open. You can call in. Hit me up at 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636. It's time that we have a conversation because after yesterday, there's a lot that I need to get off my chest, but I'm going to focus on one segment at a time, one topic at a time. So we're going to start with the local team that exists here in New England, a team that's called the New England Patriots. Because here we are with the 2022 postseason about to begin. The 2021 regular season had just ended. It ended yesterday, and what a day it was. But if you're a New England Patriots day, (laughs) If you're a New England Patriots fan, trust me, that is a day that you would absolutely prefer to forget. Completely forget. You just want to be one of those people that are that are out there and that when they see the flash from the flash pin from Will Smith in Men in Black, they're like, I have no recollection of such event that you're asking me to recall because I got completely distracted. I have no memory of what happened yesterday. Unfortunately, I have not been flashed by that mob pen men in black pen as of yet so therefore all of what i witnessed yesterday i'm still able to recall by and large part 
But as the postseason officially begins this Saturday, there are concerns that I do have. When the Patriots were 9-4, and four, number one seeded team in the AFC, everything looked good. Everything looked as if that this is a team that is back. This team looks like they are going to roll all the way to the Super Bowl. And there is that feeling in New England, whereas, man, there is something special about this team. See, Mike Tyson, the legendary boxer, once said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That statement could not be more true in life. See, I'm a big proponent of you find out what your true colors are when you're faced with adversity. When you're faced with adversity, you see exactly what you're made of. And the New England Patriots are no strangers to, uh, to, to, to adversity in 2021, 2022. They're not. This is the same team that started off 2-4. and four. And we were wondering, <laughs> is it time to put Belichick on the hot seat? I was one of those people that was wondering, maybe he's lost that fastball. Maybe he's finally hit the rocking chair. Well, you, you, can, you, you can happily send him off into retirement and say, hey, um, it's been wonderful, but it's time for you to go. You've done your job here for 20 years. Thank you for all you've done, but it's time to get the heck out of here. And then the Patriots win seven in a row. And then the national hype, man, this team, who this team could very easily find its way to Los Angeles. And then the bye week comes, and you'd think with the bye week, this team would reset, come back rested, ready to roll. And then the Patriots get their collective arses candid to them by the Indianapolis Colts. That's what ends up happening. And you're like, oh, man, that didn't look good. Man, that, that was a real wake-up call. Like, okay, whoa, hold up now. Oh, okay. You got a divisional opponent coming up the following week, and that, and that it was the, the Buffalo Bills game. They come to Foxborough, and they completely said, we're going to give you a nice wedgie, dangle your lunch in front of you, and basically treat you like this was some sort of a schoolyard in the third grade. And that's exactly what the Bills did to the Patriots. They lose back-to-back games. And you're like, oh, from 9-4 and four to 9-6, and six, what's going on with this team? This team looked pretty invincible before the bye. Now suddenly... They look as if that they can't even they can't even buy their own tea pass to get on the train on the bus. Now, guess what? The lowly Jaguars, yes, the same team that absolutely made the Indianapolis Colts look like complete Hoosier clowns down in Jacksonville yesterday. They come into Gillette, final home regular season game of the year. And the Patriots annihilated the Jaguars. Woo, everything looks good. You know, the old fool's gold. Yeah. I didn't buy into it one bit. I just didn't. 
part of the reason why I didn't buy into it was, for Pete's sake, it's the Jaguars. This is a team that you are supposed to beat, not play down to your competition. They got the win. They punched their postseason ticket. I was happy about that. I was happy that they punched a ticket into the postseason. But was I one of those jumping up and down, you know, on a trampoline in the backyard like it's a a late July day with the hot dogs and burgers fired up in the backyard? No. I wasn't one of those people. I was one of those people that were like, okay, uh, let's see what they do against Miami. And I kid you not. I kid you not. I warned my close friend, Chris, who's a season ticket holder, for weeks. And I've been saying this to him verbatim. But I am scared of that Week 18 matchup in Miami. What what, what are you scared about? Well, let me tell you why. The Patriots have not played well in Miami the last several seasons. Going back to when Brady was still a Patriot. Yesterday? Yesterday? (laughs) <laughs> Man, listen, let me tell you something. That first drive where Tua Tagovailoa threw that touchdown pass to, to Jalen Waddle, I said right then and there, I kid you not. I kid you not. I said, here we go. This is exactly what I was afraid of. Oh, no big deal. The next offensive drive, or which happened to be the first one for the Patriots, Mac Jones, oh, Throws a pick six. And who picks up? Oh, of course, Xavier and Howard. Touchdown Dolphins, 14-0. At that point, if you are a Patriots fan watching this game and you're watching what's happening on the field, admit it out loud to yourself or you can call into the program and admit it to me directly. You knew right then and there that this game was pretty much, pretty much in the bag. That psychologically... Everything that you feared, everything that you were worried about, everything that you did not want to have happen to the Patriots happened within the first 10 minutes of the game. And when I say first 10 minutes of the game, I'm talking the first 10 minutes of game clock. Because that's exactly what happened. Before you know it, you're down 14-0. Yeah, the Patriots are claw their way back and you know, try to make it you know, dramatic and all that fun stuff. And it's like... I didn't bite the cake one bit. Why was I going to? For those who follow me on Twitter, and if you don't follow me on Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter at Shukri Writes. I'll spell it out for you at S-H-U-K-R-I-W-R-I-G-H-T-S. I was pretty consistent in which I said that one of the things that I did not enjoy about yesterday's game was was the fact that the Patriots just looked like they were beating themselves. They're beating themselves in ways that you never would have thought that you would see this from a Bill Belichick coach team. And you saw that in spades. It was like showing up to the door during a football party at at a house and you have five boxes of five boxes of pizza pies first pie is hey the first topping is turnovers second pie oh the topping for that one oh it's going to be the good old 
like ineptitude. Third one, what's your third topping? Oh, we have the topping of, hmm, idiotcy, idiot football. Fourth one, we're going to serve you anchovies, but this anchovies is laden with colossal poop the pants. And then the fifth one is poor body language. Ooh, let's start with the body language one. Oh, yay, yay, yay. Ay, ay, ay. You know, the one thing I will say about body language is that when you are a leader or a supposed leader, you are the face of the group of people that you are leading. You are supposed to show confidence even in the face of adversity. When you begin to mope, when you begin to feel sorry for yourself and everyone around you sees it and feeds off of it, you're screwed. You're absolutely screwed. It's like the CEO of Enron moping around, feeling sorry for himself because he got caught with his hands in the cookie jar by the feds and now he knows he has to spend the next 300 years in prison. That was Mac Jones yesterday. Mac Jones was the CEO of Enron who got caught red-handed. And now he's, ha- he's going to have to spend the next 300 years in prison. But in this case, not literally, he's going to have to spend the entire week trying to figure out what on earth is going on within the last five games and fix it now. Because guess what? The next team that he's facing is a team that he should know all too well by now. That's the Buffalo Bills. So if you're a Patriots fan on this Monday night listening to this program, yeah, you have every reason to be very concerned. You should be very concerned. If you have any concerns or ideas as to how the Patriots can get its head out of its rear end before Buffalo decides to end their season abruptly on Saturday night because that's the direction that we're going right now, please give me a call at 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636. Let's take a break, shall we? Because I got more. I got a lot more to get into because let's be honest, it's Football Monday. Coming up next, the Patriots or an example of what happens when you don't learn from history. When you don't learn from history, bad things happen. I want to tell you exactly what I'm talking about. Coming up next, right here on the Shukri Wright Show. This is your boy, Shukri Wright. You're listening to 91.5 FM, WMFO in Medford. Touch Free Farm Radio, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app, globally on WMFO.org. We'll be back after this. Thank you. 
federal government alone spends $4.5 billion a year locking up people for drug offenses. It costs almost $28,000 a year just to incarcerate one prisoner. Compare that to the average annual tuition at a four-year public college, which is $5,491, and you realize that the drug war is blurring our nation's priorities. Taxpayers' money would be much better spent educating people instead of punishing them. But thanks to ever-increasing mandatory minimum drug sentences, an entire class of young people are being filtered into new supermax prisons while the resulting budget crunch forces the rest of us to go to old, dilapidated schools. The more money we dump into prisons, the less we have to invest in college campuses. Visit www.schoolsnotprisons.com to find out how you can get involved in the war against the war on drugs.
Welcome back to the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO and Medford Touch Reform Radio streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. Glad you're able to listen to the program on this Monday night here in Greater Boston, wherever you are in the country. As always, appreciate it. Call into the program. Phone lines are open at 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9636 is the number to call into the program. And... History is designed to teach us lessons. You see, we learn this in school time and time again. We learn about different events that happen in history. And we learn oftentimes than not that history is filled with lessons that are meant to be learned and never to be repeated again. See, in sports, sports is... It's like a a repetitive algorithm of lessons learned or not learned. And one of the things that I really have come to realize in sports throughout time and even throughout life is that there are moments in time that ultimately either defines a team or it tears a team apart. One of the things that I'm alluding to is 2019. Let's rewind the memory tape three years now. Tom Brady's final year as a New England Patriot, as a quarterback of the New England Patriots. The team gets off to an 8-0 start. Everything looks good. The defending Super Bowl champions, they're rolling through the, through the entire league. Everything looks fine and dandy. Until what? Remember that fateful Sunday night game against Baltimore? That was the year that Lamar Jackson won league MVP. I'm sure you remember that game. I do. And we all remember how things ended with New England. They, in fact, lost three out of four. They did. And the thing that I remember most is that when you look back at the end of that season, hi yi it was tough to watch. There was no other way to, to, to put it. The Patriots, they looked good at points. But, man, the end of that 2019 season, they lost – they lost like three three of the last four, three of the last five games. They lost to the Chiefs. They beat the Bengals the following week. They beat the Bills, but they lose to the Dolphins. And oh, by the way, if you want to go even before the, before the Chiefs game, they lost to the Texans on Sunday Night Football. So in actuality, they lost three out of the last five games to end the season. And then, of course, as we all remember, They lost that wild card game to the Titans. That was Brady's final game as a Patriot. Now, fast forward to 2021. Now, here we are in 2022. The Patriots, they lose three out of the last four games. And things are not looking good right now. The Patriots find themselves practically scratching their heads trying to put their collective brains together 
and wonder as what exactly has gone wrong since the buy. Because everything was seemingly clicking. When I say seemingly, I'm including one Mac Jones. The defense looked like they were finally gelling together, figuring things out after their early season troubles, stopping the run. And now they're struggling to stop the run, which is alarming. Because my good friend Tony Maserati of 98.5 The Sports Up, he tweeted this out earlier. And I found this out to be particularly alarming. The Patriots' defense, the last four weeks, have allowed an average of 160 yards on the ground. Not good. Not good. And what makes this particularly worrisome is that this was a defense that seemingly appeared to have figured it all out. If you go back to the seven-game winning streak, what was one of the things that they were doing very well? I want you to call in and tell me. What was one of the things that they were doing very well? Stopping the run. Getting to the quarterback. Right now, they're not stopping the run. They're struggling to stop the run. And here's the thing that makes this particularly worrisome. And I'm going to tell you exactly why. Because if you go back to the Colts game, where they got gashed on the ground by Josh Taylor, and then the Bills come to Foxborough and completely pick apart the Patriots' defense, they have not looked good defensively. And then here's the key, the key thing I want all of you to keep in mind. The Patriots' defense in three of the last four games have allowed at least 27 points or more. When they lost to the Colts, they allowed 27 points. When they lost to the Bills, they allowed 33 points. When they lost yesterday, they allowed 33 points to the Dolphins. What I'm saying is, when you look at the defense, I can't help but to wonder, are we witnessing Boogeyman 2.0? Are we? Because the one thing for the life of me that I have struggled with to understand is how does a bye week turn what appeared to be a Super Bowl contending team into a team that can't even get out of its own way right now? You know when things are going particularly bad, when Lawrence Guy gets penalized for a special team's penalty lining up over the, over the snapper. When in God's green earth does that happen? I'll wait. I will gladly wait for someone to tell me, when does that ever happen? When does Bill Belichick or the special teams coach not know the rules? That never, ever happens. But what makes this particularly troubling? I want to go back to the seven-game winning streak for a moment. When the Patriots were rolling, the Patriots, when they beat the Chargers, they they, they allowed 24 points. When they beat the Panthers, they allowed six points. 
When they beat the Browns, they allowed seven points. When they beat the Falcons, they shut them out. They didn't even allow a single point. When they beat the Titans, who were banged up at the time, by the way, on November 28th, they allowed 13 points. When they beat the Bills, 14 to 10, they allowed 10 points. One thing that stands out to me is that the Chargers, the Titans, and the Bills, they weren't healthy. They weren't healthy. So that leads me to believe and ask the following question. Was this defense truly as good as it was during that seven-game winning streak? Or did they just happen to run into teams that happened to be banged up, which made their defensive performances in those games overinflated, if you will? Now, why would I say overinflated? Here's why. Because when a team like the Patriots, for example, you're going up against teams that can run the ball and run the ball efficiently. They can throw the ball down the field and so forth. And they're missing key players. Like in the case of the Titans, for example, who, by the way, they are the number one seed in the AFC. When they played the Titans, the Patriots, that is, who are they missing? Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown. They were banged up. Now they're getting healthy. And oh, by the way, Derrick Henry may very well be back for the playoffs when they begin their playoff journey, division around, opponent to be determined. Now, you look at the Patriots and their struggles in the last four games, and you're, you've got to be saying to yourself, wow, what happened here? Is this a byproduct of the Patriots feeling bad for themselves? Or is this a byproduct of a team that was playing behind a masquerade and they're finally exposed for what they really are? If you got thoughts, the phone lines are open. Tell me how you really feel. 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636. The Shukri Wright Show here at 91.5 FM, WMFO in Medford. Trust Free From Radio here with you every Monday, live from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. exclusively right here on 91.5 FM, WMFO in Medford, and as well as On Demand on iHeartRadio, on the Sugar Rights Podcast, and wherever else you get your podcasts at as well. Now, if I'm the Patriots, I am concerned about the defense. I am also concerned about your leader. And who is your leader? Mac Jones. Mac Jones is a rookie. I'm not making excuses for a rookie, especially when the when the talk early in the season was. This is someone who is a football junkie. This is someone who is obsessed with football. This is someone who is absolutely passionate about the game. And all that was lovely and dandy. We heard all of the positive superlatives surrounding Mac Jones early on. Now, where are the superlatives for Mac Jones? When I see Mac Jones out on the field, I see someone who pouts like a third grader who, who is not happy that things are not going his way. 
You know, when, you, when you're young and you're on the playground and you're playing a game of dodgeball, or better yet, you're playing a game of tag, you're it, and no one wants to play with you, that is what Mac Jones looks like right now. He looks like someone who is like, is like who's struggling to find someone to play with. He obviously has 10 other men on the field with him, obviously. But watch how he reacts when he doesn't complete a pass or he's not able to get a key third down conversion. Watch his body reaction, his body language. His body language says an awful lot. And his go back to, to my first segment when I said, when things don't go your way, you find out your true colors. This is why I'm very concerned. Mac Jones does not handle adversity well. Don't feed me the bull crap of, well, Mac Jones just cares deeply. You should care deeply, otherwise you're not in the NFL. That's nonsense to me at this point. When you're struck with adversity, how, do, how does your quarterback respond? That tells me everything you need to know. I want to give you an actual example, and I want all of you, those who are listening, to really think about this for a moment. I want you to compare Mac Jones to Justin Herbert, for example. And I'm serious. I want you to really make that comparison. Why? Because those two guys are two young quarterbacks. Justin Herbert was the offensive rookie of the year just a year ago. He's in his second year. Mac Jones is a rookie. But I want you to pay attention and to really analyze and think about what I'm about to tell you. See, if you go back and watch last night's game between the Chargers and the Raiders, which was a phenomenal game, by the way. And if you didn't watch the game, I feel bad for you. You really should go back and watch the, the replay of it on NFL Network whenever it airs. And I'm sure it is going to air at some point this week. But go back and watch Justin Herbert. How did he handle pressure? How did he handle adversity? Because the Chargers, they were basically 64 seconds away from having their season end in regulation. When things didn't go his way, did you see him pout or throw his shoulders around like an aggravated elementary child? No. What you saw was, okay, next play. No big deal. We got this. Mac Jones, you go back and you watch the game yesterday against Miami, all you saw over and over was, oh, come on. Like, like a petulant child who is chopping his feet, catching an attitude with the teacher when, he, when, the, when the teacher tells him, no, Tommy, you can't do that. You're not allowed to take that candy. It's not time yet. That's the difference between Mac Jones and Justin Herber. Body language. How do you react to when things don't go your way? It speaks volumes. And if you're the Patriots, you need to have an honest conversation with Mac Jones. Seriously. Because his attitude is infecting the other team. 
or I should say, his attitude is infecting his teammates. That's what's happening. And it's not good. And the positive results have not been there as a result of his actions. So what do you do? You change it up. You do what you got to do to change things up. And if that's the case, a wise man knows that you don't make the same mistakes twice. Mac Jones has made the same mistake one way too many times over the course of the last four weeks. Something's got to give. Something absolutely has to give. Coming up next, there is dumb and there is dumber. I want to give you exactly the reason why I say you get what you deserve in life. I want to tell you exactly what I'm talking about. Stay around. You'll find out. You're listening to the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Touch free from radio streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org.
Welcome back to the Shukri Right Show at 91.5 FM WMFO and Medford Touch Free Farm Radio, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app, globally on WMFO.org, on demand on the Shukri Rights Podcast, on iHeartRadio, and wherever else you get your podcast. Phone lines are open. You can call in 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9636 is the telephone number to call into the show. One of the things that I've come to understand as I've gotten older is, is that you get what you deserve in life. You know, no one just suddenly walks in and just says, hey, let's just play the role of the fairy godmother and everything magically just changes or disappears from your life that you didn't want to have any sort of impact on your life. Doesn't work that way. See, decisions in life are usually either based in fear or circumstances that has led you to making those decisions. And that particularly applies to the Miami Dolphins. And what is traditionally known as Black Monday, Black Monday being the first Monday after the end of the regular season in the NFL, it's the day that you usually hear about firings and personnel retiring and so forth. That's when you usually hear about it. See, today in the NFL, the most stunning news came out of South Florida today. And that stunning news was Brian Flores out as head coach after just three seasons on the sidelines for the Miami Dolphins. I was just shocked when the news broke. And here are my reasons why. Flores, he was 24 and 25 after over us over three seasons. He just fell short of leading his team to the postseason. And that was something that I looked at and I said, well, I'm not going to judge him based upon his win and loss record. Although Bill Parcells has said it best that you are what your record says you are. But in the case of the Miami Dolphins, not entirely true, because if you remember, when, Bly, when Brian Flores first took over the team in 2019 as head coach, this was an organization that was in turmoil, that was in chaos, and that was in a state of flux. They didn't know which way they were going, if they were running left or if they were running right. All they know is that they were practically the role of roadrunner trying to run away from Coyote, and that Coyote is their past. That's what they were. And Brian Flores brought them to a level of respectability, something that the Miami Dolphins have not even experienced in God knows how long. But this particular statement from Dolphins owner Stephen Ross raised my eyebrows and begun to really spin a hamster wheel in my mind 
percolating thoughts that I didn't necessarily want to have, but I'm going to tell you exactly what those thoughts were after I tell you what Stephen Ross had said. Ross's statement was, unquote, after evaluating where we are as an organization and what we need going forward to improve, I determined that key dynamics of our football organization weren't functioning at a level I wanted it to be and felt that this decision was in the best interest of the Miami Dolphins. I believe we have a talented young roster in place and have the opportunity to be much better in 2022. I want to thank Brian for his hard work and wish him nothing but the best in his future. Unquote. Now, when he evaluated the organization, did he come to a realization that Brian Flores was part of the problem and that he didn't see him as being part of the solution going into 2022? Am I missing something here? Am I missing the fact that that Brian Flores and general manager Chris Greer did not have the best relationship. So because of the palpable tension that existed between these two men, that the owner, Stephen Ross, said, you know what, clean house. Both of you, you're both getting the pink slip and you're both gone. I'm trying to understand as a football fan and even as a broadcaster, Where is the connection here exactly? Because I really do feel bad for Dolphin fans down in Miami. I do. Because for the first time since the days of Dave Winstat, this is between 2000 and 2004, you had a head coach. You had someone who actually was a pretty damn good head coach. You had someone, despite his misgivings or his probably his ineffective communication lines with his quarterback and how he handled the, the quarterback situation, you had someone that actually had a clue as to what he's doing. But for some reason, Ross said, nah, time to clean house. Flores and Greer, gone. Basically, Ross decided that he was going to choose his head of player personnel over the head coach of his team that was once selected to lead the Dolphins out of a dark era, and that dark era was the Adam Gase era. I don't think I need to tell anybody what that era was like in Miami. I don't, and if you need a refresher, let me allow you this much. This is the same head coach who damn near ruined the career of Ryan Tannehill. Go look at what Ryan Tannehill is doing now with the Tennessee Titans. That's all you need to know. I don't need to sit here and do a whole segment about how bad things were in Miami with Adam Gase. Highly not necessary. 
But the, the but the surprising part about the firing is that even then, even when Brian Flores took the job in 2019, and the controversial decisions that the Dolphins made in trading away Larry Tunzel to the Houston Texans and also Minka Fitzpatrick to the Fitzbrick Steelers during Flores' first season. I looked at this team and I said to myself, this team could actually go somewhere if they had a competent general manager. I never once looked at this team and said, Brian Flores is the problem. He was never the problem. Could he have handled the two attack of Aloha situation better? Sure. Yes. I'll give him that. But as far as everything else goes, in terms of what was wrong with the front office in Miami, this wasn't a Brian Flores issue. This was an issue of the owner wanting to make a change for the sake of making a change. Why? You are who you are for a reason. You may have a quarterback. You might not have a quarterback. But right now, as it currently stands, you have something in Miami with Tua Tagovailoa. You have that. However, if we're going to have a moment of brutal honesty, that is the reason why you have the level of mediocrity that has plagued this Dolphins franchise for as long as it has is because of decisions like this. When you have something good with the head coach, you don't walk around trying to flex your arms as if you're Johnny Bravo from the Cartoon Network. That you don't do. And that's exactly what Stephen Ross did today. Well, I'm the owner, and I'm going to make decisions what I feel as in the best interest of the Miami Dolphins. Really, tell me how has that worked for you over the last decade plus? I will gladly wait for you to tell me. Because from a bird's eye view, it hasn't worked out well. It hasn't. And that's even when you had Ryan Tannehill. Even when you had Ryan Fitzpatrick as your quarterback. It didn't go well. But yet, somehow, some way, this has turned into a, a move in which that I believe locally and even nationally, you're like, what the hell are they thinking in Miami? The problem is they aren't thinking. They're just going to make this decision based upon, well, this is, this is what we're going to do, and this is what I think is the best for this, for this franchise, for this roster moving forward. But here's what ultimately cost um, Chris Greer his job. And it's not hard to figure out. His decision-making at drafting the quarterback. Remember, let's go back to the 2020 NFL draft. They had the fifth overall pick. Who did they draft? Tua Tagovailoa. That's not a, that is not a, a slap at Tua whatsoever. However, this is the same draft class in which some guy by the name of Justin Herbert was drafted right after him by the Chargers. And that's the difference in the NFL. When you make decisions as such in which 
Justin Harbour. This was someone who, who who's an offensive rookie of the year in 2020. And then this year, he turned the Chargers into a legitimate contender. He was basically one bad head coaching decision away from making the playoffs. That's what he was in 2021. Justin Herbert, that is. Chris Greer decided to take the average-looking toy to the big dance while L.A. got the sexy got the sexy Mercedes and is driving around in that said Mercedes for the next 10 years at minimum. Those kind of decisions comes back to haunt you in the NFL. That's why I can see Chris Greer losing his job. Yes, because of that. But it's just a decision exactly at the most important position in all of sports, quarterback. Those kind of decisions make or break your franchise. You don't believe me? Go look at the New York Giants, for example. 2004, they draft Eli Manning after trading for the pick with the San Diego Chargers at the time. They draft Eli Manning. We all know how that ended. 2018, what did they do? I stand correct. The 2019, they drafted Daniel Jones. You go ahead and tell me how has that worked for the New York Giants right now. And I'm using that as an example because I'm not just talking in terms of the local aspect. I'm talking from a national perspective. How has that worked for the Giants? It hasn't worked. And they're planning to bring him back again in 2022 as part of the absolute the Ringley Brothers Circus Show that is in New York. Shocker. That's why Chris Greer is out of a job. This shouldn't be a reason why Brian Flores is out of a job in Miami. That to me makes absolutely no sense. You are who you are because of the decision that you make. Miami continues to mire in mediocrity because of the decisions that they continue to make over and over again. They made the wrong choice in firing Brian Flores. End of story. They made the right choice of letting go of Chris Greer as the general manager. No argument here. But as far as head coach, big mistake. And trust me, he's going to go somewhere else in very short order. And succeed pretty quickly as long as he ends up with a roster in which they already have some really key and important pieces already in place. He'll be fine. He'll be pretty fine. It is now 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time here in Metro Boston. You're listening to 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. It is time for station identification, this is 91.5 FM, WMFO, Medford. Hi, this is Atsuko from Shonen Knife, and you are listening to WMFO in Medford, 91.5 FM. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. 
Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford, Touch Free Firm Radio. Now with the station identification and the PSAs completed, we are now officially in hour number two, which means it is also time to take a music break. When we return, hour number two of the discussion is going to continue. Coming up next, man, you want to talk about a day to remember or a day to forget. Depending on the following team that I'm about to talk about in the next segment, it actually just might fall into one or the latter. I'm going to tell you exactly who it is. Coming up next right here on the Shukri Wright Show. This is Shukri Wright. You're listening to 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Touch Free From Radio.
Welcome back to the Shukri Wright Show, hour number two of the program right here on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford, Touch Free Farm Radio, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. Glad you're able to tune in and listen to the program on this Monday night, January 10, 2022. First program of 2022. After a delay of a week, I am back. It's been a great first hour of the program so far. Here in hour number two, we have a lot more to get into. And as always, you can call into the program, 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9636 is the number to get a hold of me, reach me, talk to me. What are your thoughts about the Patriots? Thoughts on what happened in Miami earlier today and so forth. Any thoughts about about the Celtics and so forth. I may not be able to have a, a whole segment about the Celtics today, but we can talk some Celtics as if you're open to it, if you're in the mood to talk Celtics and so forth. But yesterday was an unforgettable day across the NFL. <laughs> I mean, it was a day to remember or a day to forget, depending on this one team that I am about to, to mention and talk about briefly because I had the opportunity to to watch a lot of the games yesterday, including the Sunday night game. And the one thing that I looked at and I couldn't help but to think to myself was this team in particular. I could not believe that after everything it had endured, they finally broke through in a big way. And that is the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders, I looked at that team yesterday and I said to myself, man, they finally were able to come through and to be able to win a big game, primetime, where the entire country is watching. I mean, man, it's really, it's really just amazing to think, considering where this team was in October. Here we are in January, and the Las Vegas Raiders have a meaningful game to play. They have a wild card game to play on Saturday afternoon. I mean, Let's rewind the tape to October, shall we? This was a very trying and turbulent month for the Las Vegas Raiders franchise in which John Gooding, their former head coach, resigned after reports detailed of his use of racist, homophobic, and misogynistic terms in emails dating back to 2010. I mean, just that whole thing was absolutely... A major bump in the road. And if anything, this could have very well derailed your season. And no one would have batted an eye. And then also, don't forget about the situation with Henry Ruggs III, who was charged with the DUI resulting in death. And then he was also subsequently released at midseason. That was all back in October. And it's amazing how yesterday, 
because of a botched move by a head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, they were able to punch their ticket into the postseason. Seriously. It was like that timeout that was called to to basically complete a defensive substitution was all the brand new fresh air and lease on life that the Las Vegas Raiders needed. That's all they needed. And they got it. And they took advantage. But this also speaks to a team that was 6-7 and seven back on December 12th when they had lost to the Kansas City Chiefs 48-9. And it, it is amazing to think that at that point, I wouldn't have blamed them if they said, huh, what else? What, what, what do we have to play for? What exactly are we playing for? What exactly is there to, to battle for? Like, we're not going to make the playoffs. We're not good enough. We're, we're just going to mail it in, but you got to give this team a lot of credit. Derek Carr said, no, we're going to figure this out. We're going to weather the storm, and we're, we're going to fight for the postseason. And they did. They continued to tell skeptics that they weren't going to fall apart because I was one of them. I was one of those skeptics. I said, listen, the Raiders, give me a reason why I should believe that this Raiders team will not fall apart late in the year because this is what they've done the last few years. They get off to strong starts, but come November and December, they fall apart faster than you can say sloppy pizza on a cold day. And that's, that's just been their M.O. But the truth is, when you look at this Raiders team and why yesterday was such an unforgettable day for them is because of what they've gone through and what they had to endure in order to get to this point. But you know what? Good for them. Good for them. Because now they're going to Cincinnati. They're playing a Cincinnati Bengals team that is absolutely lethal right now. And let's be honest. The Cincinnati Bengals, despite having a 30-year curse of not having won a playoff game, I expect the Bengals to completely tear apart the Las Vegas Raiders on Saturday. I am. I flat out am. So for me, it's not even really much of a conversation as to what team is the better team. The Bengals, hello, duh. I mean, (laughs) Go just just go look at the Bengals pass catching trio trio. I mean, gosh, Jamar Chase, let's start and end our conversation there. He just might be the best receiver in football right now. End of discussion. He honestly just might be. And then, oh, by the way, that's no slight against Joe Mixon. That's no slight against Tyler Boyd. That's no slight against T. Higgins. And that's no slight against their tight end, CJ Uzoma. All of those pass catchers and and wide receivers in that tight end, C.J. Uzuma, they're pretty damn good. Which is why I look at this matchup between the Raiders and the Bengals, and I'm like, ooh, talk about a mismatch? Yeah, there it is. All you need is for Joe Burrow is to not turn into a puddle, is to not get hurt. And this Bengals team should win pretty handily. Now, on the flip side, For this one team, why I say yesterday was absolutely a day to forget. (laughs) This is going to be interesting. And you would think that, well, of course it's going to say the Patriots. Actually, no. It's actually not the Patriots. 
I'm actually going to say it's the Steelers. <laughs> I know this is going to sound so crazy. Wait, why would the Steelers? Why would you think that the Steelers have a day to forget yesterday? Actually, I'm going to tell you why. Because all yesterday did was just extend what we all know is going to be the absolute inevitable. And that is Ben Roethlisberger is going to be given a basket of fruits and a retirement gift in Kansas City and wait for the entire world to sit in their seats and watch a soon-to-be-retired, damn near 40-year-old man get wheeled off into the sunset. Thank you for showing up. You're done. And goodbye. Good riddance. So to me, like, them making the playoffs, is it an accomplishment? Eh, I'm not really so sure or convinced it really is as much as is, oh, well, Ben Roethlisberger, he's retiring. Well, I know Steeler fans who are absolutely happy about the fact that he's retiring, that this is it for him. But can we be honest? The Steelers have no business being here. They have no business being here whatsoever. You can thank the Chargers for that. And then, oh, by the way, let's not overlook the fact that their outside linebacker, T.J. Watt, is absolutely a freaking beast. The dude is nasty. And, oh, by the way, no big deal. He just tied the the league record for the most sacks in a season with 22 and a half. He tied that, that legendary record with Michael Strahan in which that was set back in 2001. And then let's not forget about Najee Harris, 1,200 rushing yards and 74 receptions. Nice, solid rookie campaign for a, for a rookie receiver or, or running back, excuse me. Like, of course, the big Ben Roethlisberger story. He's going to call it a career after the season. Oh, this, this inspiration for this team. That's winning for Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, the guy can barely get the ball down farther than maybe 15 yards at a time. So you're going to ask him and this franchise to to go through the pains and the embarrassments of getting their absolute lunch handed to them, Kansas City barbecue pole park style, have at it. Have at it. Have fun. This was the worst thing that that the Steelers could have done which was win yesterday in Baltimore. They were better off saving themselves the embarrassment of getting humiliated in Kansas City because, let's face it, Kansas City is out for blood. They are going to be out for blood. And if you're going to tell me right now that the, that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to go into Kansas City and upset the Chiefs, you're out of your mind. And in the words of Stephen A. Smith, lay off the weed. That is what you can do. Lay off the weed if you honestly think that the Steelers are going to go into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs on on Sunday night. You're crazy. It isn't happening. So this whole, let's play for Ben Roethlisberger because he's riding off to the sunset. Yeehaw! Okay, let me know when that Titanic finally sinks in Kansas City. Oh, by the way, there's no oceans nearby. So let me know when that, when that Steeler train runs over a landmine. Let me know when it happens. 
And who are the casualties? Oh, that's right. It's their quarterback, who's who you can officially now run off into the sunset. It's been nice knowing you. Goodbye. That's where we're at. <laughs> that's where we're at. Gosh, I know I sound like a complete prick, but let's just call it for what it is. The Steelers winning yesterday and finding themselves playing in the postseason with a quarterback who is about to collect AARP benefits is the worst thing that can happen for this team. It really is. There's no other nicer way to put it. <laughs> I know those that are on Twitter right now are about to rip me to shreds, but what the heck? I don't care. <laughs> I do not care. Your feelings do not matter to me right now. Especially when it comes to the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger. Like, good riddance. It's been nice knowing you for 18 years. Goodbye. You should have retired three years ago, as a matter of fact, if we're going to be completely honest. If you got any thoughts based upon what I just said, call me 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9636. Coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk. We're going to talk hockey. Because there was there were some games that were played over the weekend and there's a game that's being played tonight by the Boston Bruins. We're going to talk some hockey and take a break from all this football talk. So, call in after the after the music break and give me your thoughts on the Boston Bruins. We're going to talk Bruins. That's coming up next right here on the Shook Right show. On 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. I came out in the 11th grade. Nobody was embracing you. The kids were cruel. It was very difficult to be gay. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. The hard part was determining that I was going to do it, but I definitely didn't do it alone. At age 30, with the help of her mentor, Carissa finished her high school diploma. I have a mentor, Maria. She convinced me to continue my education and to finish what I started to get my diploma. Just never judges. She's a true role model. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, go get it. You can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Welcome, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Smokey Cole Bear, filling in for Smokey on his birthday. Because after 75 years of... Only you can prevent wildfires. Turns out there's much more to say. Just look at the news. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless. And I'm not just talking about obvious things like campfires or letting your totally sweet nephew, Francis, play with matches. I'm talking about dumping your used barbecue coals willy-nilly or parking your car on tall, dry grass. That can lead to poof. 
Guess the song was wrong. We did start the fire. But listen, being a South Carolinian, I respect Mother Nature and her trees, whether coniferous, deciduous, or new car scented. So if you love the outdoors like me, go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention, because fire safety is always in season. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council.
hear the crystal raindrops fall on the window down the hall and it becomes a morning dew and darling when the morning comes and i see the morning sun i want to be the one with you just the two of us Welcome back to the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Touch Free Farm Radio, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. On the airwaves for another 29 minutes or so. So if you want to call in, you can call in now at 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9636 is the number to call into the program. And we're going to take a break from... From talking some football, I want to talk some hockey as it pertains to the Boston Bruins. They had themselves uh, quite the weekend, as a matter of fact. They they uh, they they had a pretty big win over the weekend over the Tampa Bay Lightning. An impressive win, indeed, it was. And and one of the things that I found to be the most impressive was that they were playing a, a Tampa Bay Lightning team that was. Fully at strength, and they rebound from a tough loss against the Minnesota Wild, in which they lost three to two. I thought that in itself was really encouraging to watch. So this is a team that, right now, they are in the midst of a very of a busy stretch, in which that this is this is going to be the first game of of a busy stretch in which that they're going to be playing four games in six days. Basically, they got tonight against the Capitals in about 28 minutes down in Washington against the Caps. They're they're back home against the Montreal Canadiens on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. I'll be at the game, actually, myself, uh, God willing. And and then Thursday, they also have, have another home game against the Philadelphia Flyers. That game is 
going to be nationally televised on ESPN. Also, the game on Wednesday night is also going to be televised nationally on TNT. So that's going to be uh, huge. And then Saturday, they they are also at home. They have a 1 o'clock game against the Nashville Predators. So when I was looking at the schedule yesterday, a friend of mine had reminded me that, hey, they actually have a seven-game homestand that starts on Wednesday night. And it's like, wow. So, yeah, they have a, a pretty big uh, cluster of home games coming up, seven games. Seven games, and this is their opportunity to to make up the games that they didn't play early on, and to take advantage of some of some really important points that are to be had in the standings in this playoff race. And you got you got opponents like the Flyers that are coming in, and you got to take full advantage. You got to take full advantage, especially given where you are. Like currently at this moment in time. And I think that that in itself is imperative. Let's take a look at the games and the opponents that they have coming up all at home, by the way. They are at home against Montreal. That's on Wednesday. Then they got the Flyers Thursday night. They got the Nashville Predators this Saturday afternoon at 1 o'clock. And then next week, Tuesday, they're home against Carolina. They're home next Thursday night against Washington. And then Saturday, um, January 22nd, they're home against Winnipeg. And then on the 24th, that's a Monday night, two weeks from tonight, they're home against the Anaheim Ducks. So they have a seven-game homestand beginning Wednesday night. And this this is a prime opportunity for this team to take full advantage of the points that could be had on home ice. But as far as a team is concerned, I definitely think that there's a couple of things that that does stand out to me in terms of the, the way that this team has been trending, and that is the improvement of the secondary scoring on this team. It's been a topic of discussion plenty of times on this program and even locally in this market that it has been an issue. But in recent games... The Bruins have seemingly figured it all out. Whereas they're getting contributions offensively, not only the top line, which, oh, by the way, the top line has now been broken up because Pasadak is now playing on the second line along with Eric Haller at center and, and Taylor Hall on the left wing side. So that's been something very encouraging to see. And, oh, by the way, Pasadak scored two goals on Saturday and the Bruins win over the Tampa Bay Lightning, in which they won 5-2. Pasternak scored two goals. Marshan on the top line with Bergeron, he scored two goals. And then you can't talk about Saturday's game without talking about Oscar Steen. Because Oscar Steen has been absolutely what the Bruins need in terms of being able to play the center position and also being able to play on the wing side as well and contribute offensively as well. Did you see that nasty assist that he had on the Anton Bleed goal in Saturday's game? Oh, it was nasty. And for those that did not understand the Jordan I just used, nasty meaning that it was wicked good. It was really good. You have to go and watch the go watch the video clip of that one. 
I mean, it was a thing of beauty. But there is that aspect in which that I look at the Boston Bruins and I say, this is exactly what the Bruins need, which is great. Now, on the other hand, there is the big elephant in the room that everyone in Boston is now talking about in regards to the Boston Bruins, the return of Tuka Rask. He's back. He was supposed to play in a couple of games this past weekend down in Providence, but it didn't happen because those games were canceled by the AHL due to COVID issues and so forth. So at this point, it's pretty much in the book that Tuka is going to have to you know, get himself into, into game shape by playing with the big club in the Boston Bruins, not down in Providence. But that remains to, um, remains to be seen as to how it all comes about and how it all you know, comes together in terms of Tuka and incorporating him into, into games for the Boston Bruins. But what also is an elephant in the room, and this was talked about on Saturday, and I was listening to the radio on Saturday on a hockey show program, and they were talking about this, in which Tukaras's return means that he is that he is now going to be forming a three-headed monster in terms of the goaltending for the Boston Bruins. The other two are Jeremy Swimming and Lennis Olmark. So you're going to have Tuka, Lennis Olmark, Jeremy Swimming. If you are a Bruins fan, this is a good thing. Here's why. Because with the games that you have coming up, and then let's be honest, this team is going to be playing on a boatload of games practically almost every other night from here on out, especially as we head into the home stretch of the regular season. This is something that the Bruins are going to be able to benefit from tremendously in terms of keeping Rask fresh, keeping Swayman fresh, and as well as Jeremy Swayman as well. Because I'm looking ahead to March's schedule because we don't know what February's schedule is going to look like if, and then how or if the NHL is going to fill in those, those empty days on the schedule for the Bruins to be able to make up those games given that the NHL is not going to the Olympics. That's, that is next month. So that remains to be seen. But March's schedule is one in which that the Bruins, by and large part, they are playing. They have one set of back-to-backs, but they're practically playing, playing Excuse me, almost every other night. The first week of March, every other night. The second week of March, they got home games against the Kings on the 7th, March 7th. And then, two, and then three days later on the 10th, they're home against the Chicago Blackhawks. And then Saturday night, March 12th, they're home against the Arizona Coyotes. But by and large part, they are going to be entering a very busy stretch of games needing to be played. And that's why I think Tuka Rask coming back now could actually end up being a blessing in disguise. You need to keep your goaltenders healthy and fresh, especially, especially as the playoffs approach. And I know that the playoffs are not until April. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But... If you want to think big picture, goaltending could potentially be a position of strength for this team. Is it the worst thing in the world for those three to be up on this roster and no one gets sent down to Providence? 
I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. But if there had to be the odd man out, it would probably be Jeremy Swayman. It probably would be him. But I don't think there's a goaltender or goaltending controversy brewing. But we have to keep those guys fresh one way or the other. And I really believe that, that it starts, it starts now practically. We don't know when Tuka Rask exactly is coming back in terms of which game he's going to be coming back for or whatnot. But I'm willing to bet, if I was a betting man, that he's going to come back at some point during the seven-game homestand that starts Wednesday night against Montreal. As to how it all comes together, how it all comes forth, that remains to be seen. And I'm excited to see how it all comes together in terms of the Bruins, how they decide that they are going to put this goaltending plan together and what Don Sweeney does to address the needs of the Boston Bruins moving forward. But as far as the the team currently right now, they have a big test against Washington in about 18 minutes. They pass their test on on Saturday night, excuse me, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I want to see what they do tonight. Because now they are going to find themselves in an interesting position right now in which that I think that the Bruins, if they can win tonight, we may need to have a different conversation as to what your thoughts on the team could possibly be. Caller, we have Colin in Charlestown. Colin, what's going on? Welcome to the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO. What's up, man? Colin. Colin. You on the air? Colin in Charlestown. What's going on, man? Colin, Charlestown, what's going on? All right, try try calling me back again. Uh, I try to bring him on the on the phone on the phone line to have a conversation, but I guess some phone line issue. But call back, call back eight five five nine one five 
WMFO 855-915-9636 is the number to call into the program as we continue this conversation on the Boston Bruins. And last thing I wanted to say before we go to, to music break, and that is one of the things that I am most curious to see tonight is, is goaltending. What's the goaltending matchup going to be? Because it looks like right now, from based on what I'm, what I am seeing, what I what I am reading, it looks like that it is going to be Olmark in net. It looks like. Let me let me double check that and make sure that I'm getting this correctly because. Let's see, yeah, it looks like it's going to be Olmark. I'm going. That's going to be in net. For, um, for for the Bruins, but that remains to be seen. But either way, one of the things that um, that, that another thing I want to be keeping an eye out for in regards to the Bruins going into this game, and that is the secondary scoring. Can they continue to keep up this pace that we've seen in the previous four or five games? Let's try this again. Let's go to Colin in Charlestown. You're on the Shukri Right Show at 91.5 FM WMFO. What's going on, Colin? Hey, sure. Big fan of the show, uh, first off. I uh, just wanted to see where you think your mind's at with the Bruins uh, if Salino's gone for an extended period of time. I mean, it's, it's a big loss, but I think this is going to be a test in terms of the depth for the team right now, in terms of where they are. And... Given that the Bruins are, are in a position in which that, in which that they're finally beginning to figure things out in terms of secondary scoring, I don't think it's such a big loss potentially if he's gone for an extended period of time. But I do think that if you're the Bruins, this is exactly where you need to take a closer closer look at guys like Oscar Steen and and Tom Bleed, and you got a pretty good look at them in Saturday night's game against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the early results have been good so far. I mean, they got again, they have, they have another stiff test tonight against the Washington Capitals, but that remains to be seen as to how do they handle a very physical, yet potent Capitals team that can, that, that can score it. Well, and obviously we all know about, um, about Alexander Ovechkin and, and the scoring tour that, um, that he's been on this season so far, but the Bruins, they should be fine without Felino for right now, but this gives them an opportunity to look at the younger guys. I appreciate you taking me tonight, Shu. Yeah, no, no doubt. Right, I, love the show. I appreciate it, Thank you so much, man. And lastly, before I wrap up my point, before before I go to music break, before we go to final thoughts, is we all know about Tom Wilson and his history. <laughs> I think Bruin fans have a pretty good, pretty good um, idea as to as to like the type of player that he is and what he may be up to in tonight's game, that's something to definitely keep an eye out for, for sure. But either way, this is going to be a really good game to watch. And with that being said, we're going to go to a music break. And coming up next, right here on the Shukri Wright Show, final word and final thoughts. First edition of 2022, you're listening to the Shukri Wright Show at 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford Touch Reform Radio streaming nationwide on a tune in radio app and globally on WMFO.org.
Haven't always been this way I wasn't born a renegade I felt alone, still feel afraid I stumble through it anyway I wish someone would have told me that this life is ours to choose No one's handing you the keys or a book with all the rules The little that I know I'll tell you When they dress you up in lies and you're left naked with the truth You throw your head back and you spin All I know so far so you might give yourself away Yeah And pay full price for each mistake But when the candy coating hides the razor blade You can cut yourself loose and use that rage I wish someone would have told me that this darkness comes and goes People will pretend but maybe girl nobody knows And even I can't you how to fly, but I can show you how to live like your life is on the line. You throw your
close up. Welcome back to the Shukri Red Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford Touch Free Farm Radio streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. We got five minutes left in the program. It is time for Final Thoughts here on the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. It's hard to believe that <laughs> we're already 10 days into the new year. It really is. It's just like, what? Are you kidding me, man? The time is flying by like so fast. It's not even fair. Huh, trust me. I get it. But here we are. It's January 10th. We got a lot on the docket tonight in terms of the world of sports. Bruins, Capitals in five minutes. Puck drop in D.C. And then also the, the Boston Celtics. At home against the Indiana Pacers, a 7.30 tip-off at the Garden tonight. It's going to be a pretty good uh, game to watch, despite the fact that the Celtics have found ways to piss me off a lot this season, but I still love them. Also, can't forget, tonight's the national championship game, college football playoff. Georgia, Alabama, who you got? As much as I want to say Georgia, but Alabama, I mean... We're talking about Nick Saban, the greatest college football coach of all time, bar none. He has so much experience in this in, in these type of games that it's pretty much unfair in regards to like the rest of the competition out there, in which that they're just like, well, what do we do? I mean, listen, with respect to Kirby Smart in Georgia, <laughs> I mean, I know that he basically got his his lunch his lunch handed to them. In the in the SEC title game, but let's be honest, you and I know that this game is just about a a mismatch. But if Georgia's going to win this game, they're really going to have to play like they were the best defensive team in the nation, like they were during the regular season. They're going to have to improve it again tonight on the big stage. So that's going to be really interesting to see what happens in terms of the national title game. I can't wait to watch the game. The game was at eight o'clock. ESPN and ESPN Radio, and then of course the Mega Cast, they do every year for the national title game. So I can't wait to watch all of that. So, with all of that being said, also there's a full night of hockey to watch as well. Man, I feel like I'm going to be doing a lot of channel searching and channel surfing between games and so forth. But it's going to be a great night of uh, sports locally. Bruins, Celtics, Bruins starting off at at 7, Celtics 7.30, national title game for college football to end the 2021 season at 8 o'clock, and then hockey as well. So there's going to be a lot of things to watch and keep an eye out for tonight. So I can't wait. But in 2022, we have seen a lot of heartbreaking uh, news already break. Betty White passing away literally just around New Year's Eve. And then the big news within the last 24 hours, the passing of the legendary comedian and actor Bob Saget. Many of you remember him from uh, from Full House. A lot of you watched the reboot of the show Fuller House. Entourage. He passed away very unexpectedly yesterday at the age of 65. 
Not going to lie, his passing definitely hit me hard. And I just want to send my condolences and my thoughts and my my love to everyone who knew him personally, had a chance to interact with him, to his family, his wife, his daughters, who are really going through it right now. So I just want to send my love to all of you out there and so forth. My condolences to the Saget family. My condolences to all of those who have known him and knew him. And he is going to be missed. He's going to be missed so much. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Shukri Wright Show. Here on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Signing off. I'll be back here with you next Monday night. Same time. 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. I may be back later in the week for a special fill-in show. Follow me on Twitter at Shukri Writes, at S-H-U-K-R-I-W-R-I-G-H-T-S for updates regarding possibly doing a fill-in show later this week. That's a very real possibility, so stay tuned for that. This is Shukri Writes signing off. You are listening to 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Touch Free Farm Radio. Have a good night, everybody. I'll talk to you then. Peace. Thank you.